I love the setting of a living room, if you will. And in a living room, it just feels different when you walk in. You know, you can talk to somebody at the front door of your house. Uh, and whether you're in Elk River or you're in Maple Grove or you're in the Spring Lake Park area, it doesn't matter what city you're in. When you're at the front door, it's very formal and closed off. But when somebody invites you into their house and then you get to sit down in the living room and you get to start watching the Vikings beat the Steelers today or whatever it is that you're going to do. Uh, you have the opportunity to begin to be yourself. You know, the busyness of life, the fast-paced life that we live in, we can almost get so busy moving so fast with our life that we never sit down and we never breathe. We don't have time to remember who we are and why we were placed on the earth. And as I think about a setting like this, it's really important. And I want you to hear this from me. It's really important for me as a pastor to challenge the people of God to not just be a listener for an hour on a Sunday morning, but to consider is there space in your life where you can be in a room where you can process with other people and have the room to think and speak out loud without getting chastised for what your thoughts are and to work through where you are so that you can grow you know, we believe that life change really happens in the context of relationships. And in reality, you can hear what I say and hear the word of God preached and be challenged by it. But it really doesn't become a life change in your life until you have a place where you open up your mouth and you say to another person, yeah, yeah I'm really kind of struggling with this. Or I've got something else that's challenging me in that. Because the moment you open your mouth and you begin to talk with somebody else is the moment that real life change begins internally. It's like not just a good idea up here. And by the way, when all we have is kind of continuous good ideas up here and we don't really change in our life, we begin to despise ourselves. It's like we hear the good news and we're like, yeah, I know I should change. I know I should be different. I know I should, to, should follow through on what God is speaking to me. But because I haven't before, it's almost as if we begin to shut down and we stop hearing God's voice. And I just want to say, no matter what background you're from and no matter what stage of life you're in, no matter what experiences you've had away from God or with God, you need to have room in your life for relationships where you process where you are right now. I'm thankful for the friends in my life over the many years that I've been following Jesus. Some of my times have been really low times. And I had safe places for me to talk to somebody else. And I processed with them. And I didn't give any answers from them. You know, sometimes the worst friend is the one that tells you why you're wrong and tells you what to do. How many know what I'm talking about? But I need somebody that can listen to me and then we can process together. Then I have the courage to step up and begin to change and to grow. And really that's what this Connect Group series is all about. It's not just a good idea for churches to do. It's a part of the fabric of how I think God works in our life in real time. And we have different stages and seasons where we have room to do things and time and busyness gets in the way. But I want to challenge you, if you can, find a way to get in a group during this series. It will really, really help you. And as we go into this space between... We are going to identify gaps in our life. You know, I don't have to tell anybody how you wish your life was. You already know it. There's something in you that says, I, there's something better or there's something out there. If you're a perfectionist, 
that's a bad deal, right? Because you never get to the point where you're really feeling good about your life. And when we look at our life, we can look at our life at the gaps. Jesus talked about the busy pace of life in, in different ways. And we're going to address some of the things that Jesus talked about. But really what I want us to do is I want our busy pace of life to stop being that noise that drowns out the trustworthy voice that is available to help us. And to give room for a different voice, the voice that the Bible offers advice for us is so important for this generation. In Proverbs 4, 18, it says that the way of the righteous is like the gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they are stumbling over. I love that language, the way of the righteous versus the way of the wicked. It's a way we live. How do you live? How do I live? And I believe that Jesus offers a better life. And a better life is a full life, not a busy life. A better life is a full life, not a busy life. Now, I'm not saying if you're busy, then you have no shot at it. What I am saying is, is that in the middle of your busyness, you can find a way in that gap between where you are and the full life that Jesus offers, there is a way for you to find that place. And to focus on that one voice that you need to, the way of the righteous. Jesus promised to help you find a full and a satisfying life. And there is an opportunity for us to find him all the while knowing there's another voice at work in our life. And John 10.10 10 is the foundational verse for this entire series. Jesus said this, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy my purpose, Jesus says, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. There's a contrast here that Jesus is making intentionally. That somehow we can follow Jesus in his voice and he offers a rich and a satisfying life. Now, he's not talking about you're going to get wealthy and have lots of money. That's not the language he's using here. He's using a full, complete, nothing missing type of life. The Zoe that's offered from God, that you can have life in the middle of the most difficult of circumstances. You can make it in the middle of turmoil even. Jesus offers that life. But he contrasts his voice with that of another, and that's the thief. And the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy, and he wants to come and rip us off. And we want to talk together in this series, not only in the services, but also in living rooms and kitchens and coffee shops. We want to talk about the life that's still available for us. See, the space between where you are and a better life is possible. It is possible. The space between where you are and a better life is possible. And in a sense, I want to help us close the gap between where we are and what is possible with God. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at four really important ingredients to regaining and retaining life, or Zoe. Next week, the first, next week we're going to be talk, talking about space for rest. And in God's way of doing things, rest isn't an option. It's actually a part of the rhythm of discovering life in God. And I'm so excited to announce to you next week is a tag team message with me and Pastor Dwight Denyes. And he's coming back to the pulpit and he's going to share what I think is so powerful. And... Uh, 
Pastor Dwight was the one that handed the baton off to me as the senior pastor of our church. But he is better than anybody I know in the whole world at understanding the rhythms of life and rest. And I could think of no better expert than to have him come in and, uh, and bring the word. The second week after that, we're going to be talking about friendship. And uh, the value of friendship and finding life and closing the gap. And then the next week, we're going to talk about a miracle. And then the final week, having space for fun. I can't wait till that week because I'm going to learn from y'all how to have fun. Turn to the person next to you and say, you can have fun too. <laughs> now, all along the way, when you're gathering together, informal groups as well as groups that uh, are you found through the church, our website, and our, our teams in signing up, I'd like you to take pictures when you gather together and post them on social media and do hashtag the space between. Some of you are like, what's that hashtag thing? That seems so millennial. A hashtag, what it does is it enables you to go in and see all of the people that have posted for the space between. You can see all of our sisters and brothers together, and that pulls it together in the language. So I want you to start taking some pictures. Turn to the person next to you and say, you can use your camera picture phone. <laughs> yeah, you can. You can use that phone. You can use that picture, that camera, that whatever that thing is that's in your hand. You can do it. So I want us, I want us to really discover that how do we close the gap? How do we get to the life that Jesus offers? And in, I want to get the background of it. We're going to look at the whole chapter of John chapter 10. Turn there with me in your Bibles, if you will. In John chapter 10, Jesus is speaking, and he's talking to people who are following many different voices. They're following teachers of the age. They're following the best business practices in their industry. They're, they're listening to the advice of their friends. And Jesus is attempting to, in the middle of his culture, in the middle of three empires on top of each other, the Roman Empire, the, the Jewish uh, governmental system, and the Herodians, which is kind of the, the area government, the state government, all of that going on and everybody fighting with each other. In the middle of it, he makes a, he, a comparison. And he uses uh, the life metaphor of a shepherd and sheep. And it's really interesting because he offers a pathway out of the chaos, the noise, the busyness toward this life that he's going to talk about in verse 10. And, um, and so we'll just, we'll just go right in. Verse 1, it says, I tell you the truth. Jesus says, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they what? know his voice. And they won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know the stranger's voice. Verse 6, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. And so he explained it to them. How many of you have ever been in that place? You're like, I'm not really understanding what God means by this. I love Jesus because he goes, well, let me explain it to you. Let me explain it to you, he says. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep, Jesus says. 
All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. It's really interesting how he describes the environment here. He describes coming through the shepherd and life is good in those pastures, okay? They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. Verse 10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And then Jesus makes this great declaration. He says, I am the good shepherd. Everybody said the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold and I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock, they will be, there will be one flock with one shepherd. Verse 17, the father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. It's a very, very powerful imagery that Jesus provides. And uh, as he uses his language about people, people equals sheep. Okay, so when he's talking about sheep in this story, he's really talking about us. He's talking about people. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are a sheep. <laughs> bah. <laughs> now, sheep need a leader. Sheep need a leader. Jesus is implying this, that people need a leader. They need someone that's going to guide them through and protect them from the imposing forces outside the sheepfold. They need a leader. And Jesus says that he is the leader, the shepherd. He is the one that is the good shepherd, okay? And he knows the sheep and he calls them by name. I think that is so interesting. Now, I've heard many people talk about Middle Eastern shepherds and they actually do have names and they understand the voice from the very time they're real young. They learn the shepherd's voice and... My, my hope here today is not to go deep into the parallels of culture and what's happening in the Middle East. But I will say this. Jesus is saying he actually knows them individually. He can separate one from another. He can identify them. Have you, any of you ever felt like you're in a crowd and all you are is in a crowd but nobody really knows you? Have you ever been in a party that you went to? All my introvert friends know this feeling. It's the greatest fear. Anxiety comes up before you even walk in the door, right? And you're so worried about that, that you're going to be the one left out and everybody's going to be having fun and you're the one left out, okay? The interesting thing is that Jesus says, 
I know your name. I notice you. I love to share the story of when my kids were younger where uh, uh, we would go to these big musicals and uh, the, all the grades were there and they would sing at Christmas time and that kind of thing on a platform at the high school. And I remember when Jeff was in second grade, I think it was, and all of them were up on the platform and they had multiple schools. There were a couple hundred kids on the platform and the kids had prepared a song with their music teacher in class and, and they're all up there and, I mean, this was back in the day when you didn't just take every video on your phone. Everybody had those big, huge TV station cameras. You, know, you guys remember what I'm talking about? And their grandmas and grandpas and everybody's in there and they get up there and Jeff is up on there and I've got one of those video cameras and I'm zooming in on him the whole time, right? And I'm like saying things like, you know, don't pick your nose, buddy. That, you know, it's probably not a good idea. You know, I'm saying things you could hear it in the video later on. But I'm zeroing. But when it was all done, see, Jeff was one of my kids that when it came to Christmas, he, he had to, he compared his gifts to all of his brother's gifts. Any of you like that? Like he was mentally calculating how much each gift was worth and whether or not we gave him as much as we gave his brothers. So comparison was kind of a natural thing for him. And, and, and when, and he's, he and I have talked about this over time, how much he's grown. And uh, so, but back in second grade, he's normal, just like anybody else going, I want to be noticed. Am I lost in the crowd? And the first thing he did when he got off the platform is he ran up to me. And the very first thing he said to me is, Dad, did you see me? He wanted to know, in this huge crowd and the good songs and the claps, do I matter? He wanted to know, did I notice him? And I said, not only did I notice you, Jeff, but I was locked in on you the entire time. I think we need to know that Jesus notices us, that he knows your name, that he's interested in you. The count of three, I want you to say your first name out loud. One, two, three. Isn't that interesting? You know what it sounded like to me? <laughs> it just one big noise. But Jesus knows your name. He calls them out. And the sheep follow him. They don't just acknowledge him. They follow him. And the sheep know his voice and only follow him. It's interesting. Jesus is describing his sheep is only following him. They didn't follow him part of the time. They followed only his voice. They learned to follow him. And he says that there were other influences competing to get at the people and their attention. There was the hired handy references in here. And that's somebody that just was on the job part-time. But when difficult things came in, they jetted. Hired hand leaders are in it for themselves. There are people in our lives that have great influence on us, but they really don't care about our soul. They don't really care about who we are, and they're using us for a certain reason, for a certain season. And Jesus said, I'm not like that. I'm not using you, but hired hands do. And here's the thing. If you're following the wrong voice that doesn't ha have your best interest in mind, when the wolf comes in, when the thief wants to come in and cause havoc with the sheep, the hired hand leaves, the gate is open, and the sheep are unprotected. 
And so Jesus is, in a sense, declaring to the crowd, listen, don't follow a voice that's not going to protect you when things get difficult. Don't listen to those things that seem so powerful in your life right now. Because, listen, when the difficult times come, they aren't going to be at your doorstep. They're not going to walk you through your pain and your misery and your time of difficulty and the death of a loved one or the pain of something that's been lost. They're the ones that are gone. Jesus said, I'm the one that's with you at all times. I will be with you. Other scriptures say he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Hired hand leaves us. And uncovered people are still being destroyed today. And the results of a scattered life, he says, so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. Do you know what a scattered life looks like? It's families that have been split apart. Things that have just gone wrong. Families separated and estranged. And friendships that are lost. In the church, when people leave the church, I'm never concerned if they are at another church. Because listen, the kingdom of God is a big kingdom. We have lots of neighborhoods. And I'm okay if you're in a church. What I am concerned about is when somebody begins to fall away and they find themselves out of relationship with the rest of the flock. Because now they're open to all kinds of scattering and they are baked out there for the wolves. They sent the blood to come after us. And listen, friends, Jesus is very clearly saying, listen, the danger is real. The danger is very real for our lives when we wander away from the shepherd's voice. Do you have friends who have left and they're hurt and they're missing out on the rich and the satisfying life? Do you have family members that are missing out right now? I can guarantee you it's the thief who has stolen and killed and destroyed. That's why Jesus says, essentially there are only two voices to follow. The thief and the good shepherd. Now the thief comes in and there are other voices that are out there. But you really, it's the good shepherd and every other voice. And if you follow any other voice, there's going to be challenges for your life. You're going to be in danger. Do I really follow him? Am I following that voice? See, we need to chase the better life. It's not optional. You either get the better life or you get robbed. You either get the better life or you get robbed. Most important aspect of the space between for you and me is to identify this. Am I following the good shepherd? In fact, write that down. Am I following the good shepherd? Ask yourself that. Can I hear his voice? And then most importantly, if I can't hear his voice, how do I make room for him? How do I make room? Do I need to follow him? If I don't, what happens? What happens if I don't follow him to my soul? What happens to my family? What happens to the things that I'm a steward of, my job and my skills and my company, my places of influence and my family and my friendships? What happens to them if I don't follow the good shepherd? And if I'm not following him, how do I get back to following the good shepherd? How do I get back to listening to him? And I want to tell you that biblically speaking, the pathway back is real simple. You humble yourself. So no matter where you are today, I don't want anybody to feel shame. If you're in the fold or you're outside the fold, what I want to challenge you to think in terms of is I want to identify where I am. 
have I been listening to the good shepherd? Okay. Do I need to make room for him more so that I get more clarity with my life, more protection, and I can follow his leadership? And if I am in a place where I am not listening to him because the busyness of life and difficult things have happened or one thing led to another and I find myself away from the good shepherd, the best thing you can do is bow your knee, bow your heart, and humbly say, I am a sheep and I need my good shepherd. Because he's a good shepherd. He wants to come after us. That's why biblically speaking, repentance is a big deal. People saying I'm sorry for my sin is not good enough. Now only Jesus can forgive us of our sin and our misgivings. But just saying I'm sorry, in our culture nowadays, saying I'm sorry means nothing, does it? But when you humble yourself and repent... Repentance is simply turning away from the path you've been on, the way of the wicked, as it talked about in Proverbs, and turning towards the path of the righteous and beginning to follow a different voice. That may mean silencing the voices around you, shutting down the noise. It may mean not going to the same sources for everything else. In the process of repentance, I need to turn so I truly am following the shepherd. And tell him I want to follow you. And trust him to lead you now and he will bring you back. Can I get an amen? You know, this is a powerful truth in the church that sometimes we gloss over for those of us that have been around in the church for a long time. But I want to remind you that we are to follow the voice at every stage and age of our life. Just because we did a good job of listening to him in our teenage years doesn't help us when we're in our 40s. And just because we did when we were in our 50s doesn't help us in our 60s. We need to be people that are continuing to follow the good shepherd's voice, to listen to him. He knows us by name. He knows the stage and the season we're in. But we have to respond by following him. And if you've lost something or you want to gain a better sense of where his voice is, he says in verse 17 there of John 10, the father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. This is interesting. He says, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also take it back, take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. Now Jesus, of course, is talking about he's going to die on the cross. He's going to give his life up for the sheep. But I love that language. Jesus says, I can take it back. The Father has allowed me to take it back, but I lay it down. But I would submit to you that when you follow Jesus, the good shepherd, you can take back what the devil has stolen from you. That through Jesus, you can take back those things that have been lost. That you can have a hope and a future through Jesus. Trust in him might be difficult. Entangled situations, the thief has come in and destroyed. But Jesus is ready to take back what is destroyed. Families that have been ripped apart by sin and the work of the thief, he comes to take it back again and to bring his Zoe in his life. Anxiety and tiredness and hopelessness is the opposite of what Jesus promised. It's time to take it back. Somebody say it with me. Take it back. Whoa. I got preaching so hard today that I just shoved the pulpit down. Come on, somebody, I'm just getting going here. 
Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about what? Everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. He says, in a sense, you got the thief and you got the good shepherd. In the middle of your moment of anxiety, tell it to God. In the middle where you feel like things have been lost and you lost your peace, take it back by bringing it to God. Allow yourself the opportunity to follow the good shepherd and make it personal. If he knows your name, then make your following of Jesus personal. Say, I will follow him. And be the person that will say, I'm going to go on a journey where I'm going to follow him. This is what David did in Psalm 23. I want you to hear the language that is so personal. And he speaks it, sings it. And as he does, he sings it in such a way that uh, it's, it's as if it's a metaphor for life. The journey that we're on, some moments are really awesome, and how many know some moments are pretty crummy? Sometimes, but Jesus will lead us through every season and stage of our life. He says this, the Lord is my shepherd. Say that with me. The Lord is my shepherd. Turn to the person next to you, look at me, I say, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. He's not just a crowd. He's not there for global Christianity. He is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Right now, wherever I am, no matter where I am, no matter what season of life I'm in, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength, and we often need our strength renewed. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, or some versions say the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. <laughs> your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. This is the song of one who follows the good shepherd. And as we move into this series, what we want to do is not just point out the crummy things in life, or how far we are away from the rich and satisfying life that Jesus offers. But no, what we want to do is from wherever we are, starting from the place and the season, we could be a long ways away from God. But we can start there and we can say, God, I want to follow you. I want to follow the good shepherd. And as I follow you and I discover good ways to do that, whether it be through rest or it be through uh, making space for the supernatural and miracles or it be a, a season where I just learn how to have fun. Hello. 
How can those things contribute to me following the good shepherd and discovering the life, the Zoe, that he promises us? So today, I want you to take an inventory of yourself. Where are you? Is there a gap in your life between you and the good shepherd? You know how you close the gap? By humbling yourself and saying, I need you. Will you look to the good shepherd? Will you humble yourself where you are now? I believe we can do just that. And all of our campuses, we're going to take some time to sing. Sometimes singing for some of us is like, I love to worship. And others are like, it's the most awkward time in a service for me, Pastor Nate. <laughs> but I like to liken singing and music as a vehicle that we get in that takes us somewhere. It allows us to shut out other thoughts, the busyness of life, the moment that we're in, and simply come before the Lord and begin to talk to Him and to sing to Him. And so we're going to do that on all of our campuses today. And then at the end, our pastors are going to come up and we'll have a response and a closing of the message. But I would like us all to take time to listen to the Good Shepherd's voice, but by singing to Him and humbling ourselves. Would you stand with me?